Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Today, our show has a very special guest, and I didn't even tell her this, but she is somebody that I get frequent DMs requesting, and I am so excited that we've made this happen. She seems to be universally loved, and I feel very lucky to be in her presence. We have Miss Carla Harrison. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Lindsay, thank you for having me, and thank you for that introduction. Will you please follow me around everywhere I go and introduce me? I feel like I would be lucky to have that job. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. It is an honor because unless you've been living under a rock, you know who Lindsay Branquino is and the Companion Pass podcast. I hope that it's all for good reasons, but I'll take whatever. Now, we were talking briefly before we started about your husband, John Harrison, who is like a rodeo clown specialty act barrel man. And we were briefly trying to recap his accolades so that I could get them straight when I introduced you. And there were so many numbers thrown out. I will butcher this, but I'm going to try because it is so impressive and I think they should be recognized. He has worked the NFR 12 times now. He's the eight-time Comedy Act of the Year, a seven-time PRCA Coors Man in the Can, and a two-time PRCA Clown of the Year. Is that right? That is correct. You nailed it. Oh, Perfect. I can stop sweating now. Also, I think we should recognize that the last two years in a row, he has won all three awards that a clown can win. And they call that the trifecta. Am I correct? Yes, it is our triple crown. And that's amazing. How awesome to have that kind of recognition. I know in rodeo, and I'm sure in what he does too is no different, that the awards is not necessarily why you do it, of course. But I think it's awesome to be recognized by your peers and the community, just the rodeo community in such a huge way. It makes what you do feel legitimate, I think. And there is a reason that you work so hard, but it is by no means why you do it. Absolutely. No, it just it's the icing on the cake. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. I know that you grew up in the Western way of life, but not necessarily in rodeo. So tell me about that. So I grew up in the central coast of California, not too far from where y'all live. And um, I was raised by a cattle rancher and a row crop farmer. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she would be out there gathering cattle and cooking lunch for the guys or whatever. And yeah, that was my background, but not rodeo as as a livelihood. Like my dad roped. He had his PRSA card and team roped. and But he stayed mostly around California and did some of those rodeos. But yeah, and like totally jackpots and all that good stuff, but. I never rode you. I wonder if you can, and I'm sure that this is a hard question. I'm putting you on the spot. But I wonder if when you look back at being raised that way, 
If there are any little things that you can single out in the way that informed who you've grown up to be, like the traits that it instilled in you or the beliefs that you hold now, who you are as a person now, like what did you pull from growing up in that lifestyle? So absolutely, it forms who you are. And I saw two parents who got up every day and worked really hard. And I love that. And they supported each other. If dad needed help, she would be there to help him with it. But she was also the one that kept the books. And they just, they balanced each other so well. They also didn't rest a lot. So I love that they were both goal-driven and they raised my sister and I that way. And they also raised us, they only had us two girls, that they never told us that girls don't do things or that you're incapable of doing something. But they also raised us to go to ballet class and things like that and kept our feminine side. So they, I feel that they really gave us a well-rounded raising. And then, of course, we're around, you know, ranching and rodeo lifestyles. So that makes you a little bit gritty. I don't by any means profess to be a real gritty cowgirl type. <laughs> but, but I mean, it gives you a little grit. Oh, absolutely. And I relate a lot to what you're saying in that I also grew up with sisters and we grew up around agriculture and involved in rodeo and 4-H and and the whole deal. And I love that when we did the dance and the things like that, that are a little bit more girly. My parents got divorced when I was fairly young. And so we spent a lot of time with our dad and he was really the one that we did all of these other things with. And I was such a tomboy anyways. But what you were saying there about being raised as a young girl to think you can do anything. And in some ways, it's a more, I don't know, masculine world. Is that the oh, right word? It yeah. absolutely is. That's what I found with auctioning. Like I I was in this world that not many women did. And I yeah. didn't even realize that until I was like 21. And I looked around and I'm like, huh, where's all the other girls? <laughs> yeah. I loved growing up not knowing that there should be a separate because I had a dad that really instilled in me, you can Mine do too. whatever you want. It wasn't this, well, you're a girl, you should do X, Y, and Z. It was, if you want it, go and take it. And Absolutely. I really now to this day, and it served me really well when I think about a lot of different parts of my life, but I loved having that kind of feeling of capability that I really appreciate. And I feel so lucky that I had parents and particularly a dad that instilled that in me. Absolutely. My dad did the same for my sister and I that he never said, you can't because you're a female or you whatever. And I absolutely love that. And it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a discussion. He just empowered us in the way that he gave us the tools and said, here, do it and figured it out. And my mom had a saying that uh, she always said, no one was born knowing how to do it. So it doesn't matter if it's roping, if it was driving a truck, if it was welding, like everyone had to start somewhere. They did not come out of the womb capable of doing this. So don't be afraid to ask questions and learn how, which I love her for giving me that. And it was such a core, it's a, it's one of my core things, but at times, sometimes I also roll my eyes and mom, why'd you do that? Now my husband has me driving a 45 foot trailer all <laughs> over the country and It's not really my jam, but I'm doing it because I know no one was was born knowing how and I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. What awesome advice, whether it's just your kids, whether it's little girls or little boys. And that's something that I feel like I had to learn along the way. I think I was growing up, I was always hesitant to ask questions. I always thought I should just know how to do these things. I felt like kind of embarrassed or timid to ask how or just to speak up and say, 
I don't know how to do this. It felt like a weakness or a failure. And it wasn't until I was probably in my 20s or early 30s that I realized like, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. How else are you supposed to learn? And how empowering and great that feels to just be like, I would love to learn how to do that, but you're going to have to show me. I agree. I was definitely an adult when that lesson finally sank in. Uh, So (laughs) I would say, you don't want to be embarrassed and ask and people think, oh, you should know that by now. And I don't. I think I actually would have learned a lot more things and probably been a better, like, I enjoy pedaling around in the arena with my kids, but by no means am I a great roper. I've held a rope and I swung a leg over a horse. I'm not as cool as everyone in our industry, but had I been a little bit more relaxed and a little less self-pride at the time, I probably could have been. But again, I've learned that lesson, I think, finally, but it is very empowering. I wish I had been more savvy about it earlier. Like I've listened to some of your guests that you've had on here. I'm like, these women are amazing because they've got life figured out and they're like in their 20s or maybe early 30s. And I'm 47. I'm just getting my poop in a group. And these girls are like, man, they've got the world by the tail. Oh my, tell me about it. My gosh, I listen to every one of these girls. I'm like taking notes. I'm like, wait, could you just say that again a little slower? (laughs) And I feel the same way as you. And I think that I'm constantly hearing myself back when I listen to the episodes of being like, wow, wish I'd have known that no 10 years ago. And they all seem to be so confident in their relationships (laughs) and stuff. I'm like, I I wish this, this podcast was around just for me to listen to back then so that I could have not had to learn quite so many things the hard way. Absolutely. I agree. And that's a, I do love your podcast because that I, after I listened to Jane Thurston's like, oh my gosh, if I could wake up and be Jane Thurston, that girl seems to have it all together. Um, Ty Hillman, I was so excited after his podcast. I got it. I called Dusty Tuckness. I'm like, Tuck, is this Ty Hillman? Is he on one of your devotionals? Like, this guy's great. Do you just want to listen to him forever? Because I do. Yeah. <laughs> Paige Champion, who I adore. Right. And I was just like, she was one. Every one of them. I just, yeah, I absolutely. It's been great to pull from them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I could just make a list or a book or something about what I learned from each lesson. And it's just a constant reminder to me what a cool community of people we're surrounded by in rodeo. Uh, amazing. It's amazing, amazing community of people. I actually love that so much. And I think about that all the time, like how blessed I am to have, I just mentioned him, so mentioned again, Dusty Tuckness, because he's he's my go-to on anything if it's spiritual or health related. And he's a good friend to my husband. So he's a good sounding board. Ashley Rumford, she's my bestie. She's married to another clown. She's raising three kids. Like we have some of our lives. I have so many. And Garrett, you, I mentioned earlier, Garrett, you're against my tech support at, at the drop of the hat. And I love that these people are in my circle. And I just love rodeo for that. And we're so accessible. And we have some great people. And just, yeah, it's just absolutely, it's an amazing, it's amazing to be a part of. Amen. But I want to talk more about you. And one of the really cool things about you that you touched on before is that you are an auctioneer. And is that what I call you? Is that is there a different name for a female auctioneer than there is a male auctioneer? The guys at auction school would joke because they call male auctioneers colonels. And so they would call me Colonel Et. But there is no female term. <laughs> it's like, that is so cute. But it's, I'm just an auctioneer. I started when I was 14. My father was also an auctioneer. I probably like you wanted to be so much like my dad. Like he hung the moon and the sun rose in that man. He was an auctioneer. He roped and we ran cattle. And so 
I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to learn how to rope. I wanted to learn how to auction. I wanted to do all these things. So we would be going to check cattle and we had a 30 minute drive and I wanted to learn. And he, I guess he heard me practicing his auction chants at night. I would put myself to sleep just practicing these chants. And my sister would throw a pillow at me telling me to be quiet. And But my dad, so he would start practicing with me on the way to check cattle. And he really helped me develop my chant. And then at 14, he started letting me get up. So I started that when I was like 12. Then I was 14, he would let me get up and auction with him at some farm equipment auctions and little things like that and get my feet wet. I'll never forget too, because there was all men. I was like the only girl unless there was a lady in the cook shack. But I would clerk for him all day. And then he would switch out and let me auction a few items. And at one point I was auctioning and a gentleman questioned me on one of my, uh, the price of something. And my dad was there and had my back. And he was, and then on the way home, he would discuss it. He said, you were in the right and you have to keep on talk in, on top of stuff and not back down when you're right. But if you're wrong, you have to also be willing to negotiate and open this up. And he really sat down again. He just gave me that confidence. And it was just, it was really great to have him in that moment. And then growing up auctioning and then I just, it was a word of mouth thing. I never really advertised and I've now been able to auction all over and I've done a lot in Pebble Beach for stars and some really fun ones. And I do the ladies luncheon in Vegas every year, which is exciting for me because it's the Justin Crisis Cowboy Fund and they give back to the cowboys and that just, that has my heart. So I love it. I've had a lot of really neat opportunities because of it. I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, okay. What is, you said like your chance. What is that? I don't like to hear myself auction. So your chant is like your numbers and like what you say, like the, when the filler words, like my yeah. dad would say, home, what to buy it. And so it's basically your number set and things that you're accustomed to say. But when you're starting out, you have a basic number set and you get it in your little auction school book or when you go to auction school and it's $1 bid now to $2, but then you get faster. And like when we were on our way to check cattle, my father would have me do that. And every passing car was when you would change your bid. Oh my gosh. How cool is that? What a cool thing to learn too. That's not something that you hear a lot of people doing. So does everybody kind of have their own style or their mm -hmm. own, you throw in like your own flavor? <laughs> yes. I think it's like anything, whether it be how you ride or how you sing or you, John being a clown. Everyone's got yeah. their own little flavor. And mine's definitely like... A lot of auctioneers are sing-songy. Everyone's got their little style. But anyhow, yeah. yeah, I like to do it. I, I love benefit auctions. Those are my favorite. And I like to do, I like to entertain. I go out there and I do the fast chanting. And, but my thing is to have fun with the audience because when they're having fun, they're more apt to bid and spend and have a good time. And then it makes them a part of the show instead of just, a passive participant. I want them actively involved and in, in, immersed in it. Right. So, and engaging. Yeah. Like we mentioned, there's not a lot of female auctioneers. Is there anything that you think you bring to the table as a woman that's special or unique, maybe even gives you an edge in some way? If I was sitting in the audience and there's like a beautiful woman, I'd be way more likely to, to raise my battle, right? I'd be like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can have my money. Thank you. And I'm going to make sure you're invited to my next auction. <laughs> Luke's like, wait, how did we lose the house? I'm like, I got wrapped up in it. I don't know what I did. But we have this great barbecue now. And a giraffe. Did you see the... <laughs> <laughs> 
It is fun to be a woman in this industry because when A, you catch them off guard, unless of course you go back every year, but uh, you catch people off guard. I've taken my college guy friends to help me be my ringmen. I've taken my husband and they always expect the man to get up and auction. And then I go up there and they're just standing in front of me catching bits and people are like, oh my gosh. So it catches them off guard. And I also love much like Jackie Crawford and Kirsten Boulder, two to my, that come to mind. They are women in men's worlds, but they maintain their femininity. And I think that helps you or promotes you. There's something about when you're in a men's world and you maintain your femininity, I feel like you shine in a different light. I can completely understand, I think, what you're trying to say. And Thank it's, you. Please it put feels words. Like, <laughs> well, it feels like a real tangible proof that you can be both. Right. It goes back to what we were saying about our our dads. It's you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. You can be completely capable and independent and strong and soft and feminine and caring and all those things that they can coexist. And and I, I like you, those examples you brought up of those women and yourself. It's so wonderful to see that modeled in someone that you look up to. It's great and it's incredibly empowering. I agree. I'd love to hear, do you have like any really great story about your time auctioneering? Well, John always has me tell the one. So we in King City, California at the Salinas Valley Fair, they had a steer come through and they were, they had raised that steer. I think it was their heritage steer. And I want to say it was the first, first year or first couple of years they had the heritage steer. And that year the steer was being uh, used to help a kid with its medical costs. And it was a kid that had raised the steer and had been very involved in the community. Well, the Salinas Valley is unlike any other. When someone is down, that community rallies behind them. And this was no exception. So this was fun for me. And I happened to be at the right spot at the right time. But when that steer was going up in price, and that steer got to $70,000. And then I jumped up on the auction block. I was just like, I was overcome with emotion. The emotion that the people of that community had fed me. And I hit the gavel and I told the kid that was holding the halter, I said, all right, turn that steer around. We're going to sell the other half. And if oh. that did, steer didn't go for $140,000. Wow. And it was like, to me right now, I get chills. I got to be a part of that. But right. that was that community. And that was those people. I'm on the mic, but I don't write the check. That right. was an amazing moment to be a part of. Oh, so. absolutely. I, I think that this goes back, and I'm, I'm sure it probably speaks to the core of just who you are, but you talking about how you really love to do like the benefit auctions and stuff like that. I'm sure that there's a lot of times in your career that you can think of moments like that. Like you're a part of really special things where you're surrounded by a room or a group of people that are there and giving of their resources to help somebody else. I guess that's something I never thought of, but how cool to be a part of that. Like you're constantly witnessing humanity at one of its high points, right? Giving of themselves to others. I feel like I'm, I'm going to get a little teary like thinking about that. It is a lot of fun and don't get me wrong. They're, they're doing great things, but there's, there's wine. Yeah. <laughs> Wine and a pretty woman, like I yeah. mentioned. <laughs> it is. I do get to see a lot of people put themselves out there and do good for someone else. When you make yourself smaller, others grow bigger. And it's really cool. Oh, I love that so much. So let's talk about how you then meet John. 
Because I know that John has, his family is obviously has a, a long history and deep roots in rodeo. And he didn't, I don't know if everybody, I think most people know him now as a clown, but he also started out, I think started trick riding, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's doing that, which is awesome. But then how did you meet him? How did he come into your life and you're like, all right, yes, that's the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> I tell him this is love because no girl grows up saying I'm going to marry a clown. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is love, baby. So I went to school at, well, I went to junior college at Shasta, but then I finished my four year at Cal Poly. And part of my degree requirements was I needed to do an internship. So I called my cousin, Jamie Brown, and I said, hey, I need to do this internship. She put me in touch with Tommy Joe. Tommy Joe's, if you want to do something in marketing, you have to go learn from the best in the business. He put me in touch with Steve Gander. I went out to Iowa and I was doing a marketing internship for Steve Gander and World's Toughest Rodeo. I moved out in June and I stayed there through the end of March. And John happened to be hired to be the trick rider, trick roper at the time. So he and I were going to these rodeos and we had lots of rodeos and we had double ups, yada, yada, yada. And I wasn't like, God had to have a hand in it. There's no doubt because I'm from California. He's from Oklahoma. We both meet up in Iowa. And when, even when I got there, I wasn't supposed to be on the road. I was going to stay in the office and do all my stuff. And then at the first rodeo, I had my boss, Steve Gander calls me, says, I need you to j- jump in the Dodge truck and come on. I'm going to have you run spots on the video and all this other stuff. And do the VIP room. So, and then I was on the schedule to go every weekend and I just happened to be on John's schedule. Now, John was trick riding. I was dating someone else, whatever. Like I, he wasn't even in my, like he was a friend. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. He's a friend and he was fun to be around, but he wasn't like, I'm not that type of girl. If I, you know, I was dating someone else. I'm not over here, (laughs) but we were playing cards one night or I actually not we, he and some guys were playing cards. I went back to my room And he called me up and he said, hey, Carla, we need you to come up here because there's a lot of money on the table and people have been drinking and I know you haven't. So he's like, we need you to keep the book. I go up there to keep (laughs) the books and he is sitting down from me and he is telling someone else about what he wants in life and like what he wants out of a life partner and his goals and his dream. And Lindsay, my heart hit the floor. I was like, this man, he's saying the same things I want out of life. and so. I was like, oh my gosh. And so it just turned me upside down. So I go back to California and I finish out my time at Cal Poly and I graduate from there. But he and I kept up and he and I were best friends. Like we talked about everything. He dated girls. I was still with my boyfriend at the time. He calls to invite me to the PRC awards banquet for the first, his first award that he was nominated for. And he was, yeah, we many times a bridesmaid, never a bride for John. (laughs) So he was nominated a lot of times. So this is, but when he called to ask me to go to that awards banquet, because this was the first award he was nominated for, I started crying because I was so excited for my best friend. Oh. And I thought, oh my gosh, I better not date anyone else until I either feel like that about this person or I'm dating John. Oh. Anyhow, so I broke off that relationship. And actually, I didn't know I was dating John for quite some time because he's a backwards little okie boy. And we talked all the time. And then I got this Valentine's gift and he signed it. Love you or love John. And I called him up. I'm like, we have to have the DTR. He's like, what's the DTR? I said, we need to define the relationship. Because and I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, are we dating? He goes, yeah, we're dating. I said, John, we haven't kissed or held hands. What do you mean we're dating? And he's like, well, I talk to you every night. I'm like, that might be one of my favorite lines ever is, I didn't know we were dating. That is excellent. It's so good. And 
he's not much different now. (laughs) I'm curious, can you remember you sitting back, if you go back to that poker game where you overheard that conversation, can you remember any of the things it was that he was saying he wanted out of life or a partner in life that like really resonated with you? It was probably more his goals and his dreams. Like he wanted to build and do, and it didn't, he wasn't saying, hey, I want to go. In fact, he hadn't even started clowning. He did not say, I want to put on makeup at work. work My dream did is not. to wear fringe <laughs> yes. and put on makeup every day. This is what I want. He did not say that. But he did talk about building and growing and I owning businesses. And I remember the goals being, and I don't know, maybe he dropped Jesus's name. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't remember but whatever it was that's a sure way to a woman's heart right i love he's like i got a friend <laughs> jesus i don't know you're like hey he keeps good company i like the guy yeah. <laughs> exactly. we had some mutual friends i love that so much you and john obviously fall in love you get married after you realized you your date you've been dating for a while One of the things I love about that I know about you guys is that you are he's not just known as like John Harrison Rodeo Clown. You really seem to be this like very united unit in what he does. And you're known in the industry as the clown family, which I love because it's not just about him. It's really about all of you is that. So I'd love to talk about family because it really seems to be the cornerstone of everything that you're about. So family is very important to John and I, and family was important to me in California. I love my family in California. That was the hardest thing moving out to Oklahoma was them being 2,000 miles away. And John was awesome. He's like, hey, ever homesick, we'll put you on a plane. Like, I don't care if we have to sell the truck, we'll put you on a plane. Yeah. So family was important. And I grew up that way, tight with my cousins. Just, they're just great. So John and I starting a family When he and I got married and started a family, we decided we were going to go on the road together. I wasn't going to stay home and take a job. We were going to do this together because that's why we got married. We like each other. We want to be around each other. So we did. And again, I saw my parents do that. Granted, they didn't travel in a small living quarters, but they supported each other in that way. And his parents, same way, they supported each other. So we go on the road and we just, we're going to do it. And we actually did absolutely everything together. Whether it was on the road, driving, going, rodeo, coming home, working cattle, just whatever. And we started buying rent houses. He and I together would clean them. Everything, we did it together. And that changed when our oldest started school and I would stay home. We weren't great parents because we were like, eh, it's kindergarten. So she missed a lot of school. (laughs) So anyhow, but it was important to us. And I started calling us the clown family as a joke to my family in California because I had to make light of the fact I married a clown and this is my life. I mean, in one way or another, we all marry clowns. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yours just gets paid for it. (laughs) I agree. I made light of it. I kept saying, oh yeah, it's just over here with the clown family. And then a rodeo announcer, John had rubbed some uh, grease paint on our daughter as a baby. And a rodeo announcer picked it up and go, oh, look at the clown baby. And so ever since then, I call them like clown kid number one, two, and three, and us, the clown family. And it stuck. And John loved it so much that John rarely lets anyone refer to him as just like John. And he is the clown family. And that's, he loves that identity. In fact, you can see a little bit back here, but I put a museum in the house and most of it's in homage to his uh, grandfather, who was a world champion bull rider. 
But we have a section that John has filled in and John never wanted it to be about John. It's all clown family stuff all over. And our youngest daughter, she started, she wanted dummy rope and then she wanted mutt bust and she just scooted John's buckles over and put hers right there. And John was cool with that. (laughs) He's like, he loves it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that too. So when you're all on the road together, like what is the kids role there? How are they a part of it? Oh my gosh, we are such, we are such a team. And I always feel like when you, when you support the other, we're all stronger, right? We're all going to get through this quicker, easier, and better if we all pitch in. And we've gone with that as our motto. So the kids, now that they're older, definitely have different roles. But when they were younger, like I remember having, cause I was warming up John's horse or taking his horse in. And I had to lean down to my, at the time, five or six year old and tell her that she was going to have to go wipe her brother's bobo and just do life. And so that she kind of was the caretaker at that time. And now she's older and she can help warm up the horse or cool it out. Or my son can grab stuff like that and help with horses and do things. So everyone's got, and we all have to pitch in, whether it be pick stalls, wash horses, whatever, help with acts and get things ready. Everyone, you just, you pitch in. And I would like to say I pitch in and everyone jokes because everyone knows that I do quite a bit of driving when we're on the road. And like my husband will get 20 minutes down the road and be like, oh, yeah, and start getting tired. I'm like, no. So I can't wait for them to also pitch in with driving. Yeah. It sounds like you really have rodeo life with kids down to a T, a, a science, which is something that I never perfected. I feel like we would always throw in with Luke for a week here or there. And then I'd be like, I tap out. Like I need to go home where we're not living on top of each other. And everybody has their own space. You're smarter than me. I just didn't know it was an option. I didn't know tapping out was an option. I was like, all right, I married him. <laughs> what has been or what is one of the biggest challenges of trying to rodeo with children? School is a challenge. Being in a truck for 12 to 30 hours is a challenge. Potty schedules is a challenge. I don't know. It's all a challenge. But just like motherhood, like it is the hardest job with the least amount of thank yous, but it's the most rewarding. And that's rodeo with kids. Like it's not easy, but it's rewarding. My kids have such an awesome family because of rodeo. I can't tell you how cool they are. So Clay Hager, who's a bullfighter, John was gone and he came down to take my son hunting because John was gone. Dusty Tuckness has come in to take my son hunting because John was gone. Avery Rutkowski has done a cosmetic line and she has just absolutely built my daughter up to feel beautiful about herself and like it just and she's this girl that she looks up to they just have such an amazing network of friends and family because of their life on the road yeah oh it's totally true the people that they meet and like we talked about at the beginning of the episode there's some of the best people that they can be around and i've loved that for my kids they get to be around a group of people that are pretty much like-minded how they have the same kind of values and stuff. And there's a real way, and this is something that I love about rodeo and rodeo cowboys, is particularly my experiences with bulldoggers. But you take these guys who look really tough. They're really big. They're pretty rugged. They do very manly things every day. And then you can be like, I need you to take my three-year-old son right here. He may have to go to the bathroom later and you're going to help him out. And every one of them will just pitch in like it's no big deal. And Absolutely. I love that. It like It's that thing that you and I were talking about, that contrast of difference. But on the other hand, where it's, you see these big, tough guys and they're always so kind and take the time for these kids and 
they become sort of this extended family, just like you were saying. Absolutely. We call them aunts and uncles, the kids do. (laughs) It is a great extended family. And that is something I want to trade for the world. Yeah. This is funny. And this is a great example of what I was talking about. But Luke, when he was rodeoing, he was going with this other kid who was younger. I'm going to say like early 20s or something was with him in the truck and they took Bear somewhere for a weekend. And Bear was probably three at the time. And for the longest time, for years and years, Bear's thing has been holding on to ears. He just loves it. He's obsessed with ears. So he would always hold on to mine, particularly if he was like sleepy or something. And Luke had taken Bear with them. They were in the truck driving somewhere. And I get this picture and this boy... (laughs) I'll call him a boy. He's 22 or something. Is awkwardly leaned over in the backseat of the truck because Bear is holding his ear and he just stayed completely still and let Bear hold on to his ear. And it's a picture. I'm going to have to find it so that I can share it along with this episode because it was so funny, but also just was this perfect picture of what kind of family they become. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They, oh my gosh. And that warms my heart. They do become family and they're not afraid to make themselves less so someone else could be more so bear could have that moment go to sleep and then (laughs) i just love and i love that these and you're right it just softens your heart to see these big guys because i think about that all the time we're around a lot of bullfighters and bull riders because of john's job so that's usually my examples but here's these guys a lot of them at the time didn't have kids or weren't around kids and they were so kind and gracious and had time for my children it just it warms me from the inside and i'm just like Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. Yeah. One of the other things I know, and maybe you'll have to explain it to me, but I believe it's your oldest daughter. She's found her own role in rodeo, like in traveling around and something that she loves. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So Addie has started doing rodeo interviews and that started when she was, she's 16 now. And I think she started when she was 12 and she just wanted to do something in rodeo and, but she wanted to make it her own. So she decided to pick up the mic and start interviewing people, but she wanted to do it not like a, hey, tell me about that bull and how is that ride or how is that steer for you? Because I know you drew that at Odessa and you had it again. <laughs> and so she wanted to do it with a, a 12-year-old's take. And so she's like, where do you go for fast food? And who does the most driving when you travel with your brother? Do you have to have a fist fight every once in a while? Because I have to fight it out with my brother. Like she wants to know those kind of things. And so it was fun for her. And she's been busy with life. So she hasn't done a whole lot lately, but I don't know if she'll um, pick that back up. She says she will. And that's another thing. Cody Sosby found out she was doing that and sent her the equipment to do it because he's just a good guy. I know. I love my rodeo family. Have I said that? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. Speaking of family and how important it is to you, I know another thing that you really lead with is your faith and you're really Mm -hmm. open about it and talk about a lot about it. And I know that your family's also gone through things that are incredibly challenging and difficult. And I'd love to talk about how important faith is to you and the role it's played in your life and maybe how it's gotten you through some of those times. So my faith is extremely important to me, but my faith has developed and gotten stronger over the years. And I hope five and 10 years from now that my faith only continues to grow and get stronger. I hope that I'm a better person and a better Christian than the person now. So looking back, I can say, you know, life has helped me grow and I hope I'm continuing to grow. But our life has been, we've been through some storms. Right after John and I got married, we had kids and my daughter was young. I'm going to take you through the cliff notes. 
my daughter was young. She had to go to the hospital and my mom came out to be with me. I contacted uh, staff when I was in the hospital with my daughter and I was pregnant with my son, Kaz. So my mom came out to help me. We were on our way home from Oklahoma, headed to California for Thanksgiving and everyone was healthy and out of the hospital. I was overstaffed and my daughter was healthy and we got word that my father had been in a team roping accident. And so we hopped on a plane and we got out there. My dad had broke his neck right under the base of his brain, had no function after that from the neck down, couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything on his own. But there were angels among the way. And I don't know, it was an overwhelming time. Like my father had two weeks with us. He was only able to communicate with us by blinking. But I can tell you there was an angel there because there was a gentleman at that team roping that day that just wanted to go check out team roping. And he resuscitated my father and got him to brought back to life and gave us that two weeks with my dad. Otherwise, I would have never made it to California. There were so many angels along the way. His nurse was an angel. I mean, I feel like you can get caught up in the storm and that's easy to do. And I've been guilty of that myself. Or you can start looking for the silver lining and you can look for God's presence and you can look for things that are there that are meant to be there. So anyhow, we get through that. I lose my father and then our son is born. And then we add clown baby number three. We have Billy and we decide to name her a Billy Toma Joe Harrison because Toma in Choctaw means you complete us. And that's also my sister-in-law's name. So the backseat was full. And then (laughs) so life was good and I was in a grateful, very happy, thank you, God, time of life. Then my mom comes down with cancer. My mom who would travel all the time with us on the road. And my husband and my mom were very close. Mom comes down with cancer. And then I'm out in California with my mom at the hospital in Monterey. And the day that I was told my mom had seven months to live, my husband calls me and says, our baby's sick and I need you to get home. He had to go to a rodeo. So I fly home and I get home and our baby is really sick. And so I take her to emergency. John has to come back from the rodeo and we lost her the next day. So that happens. And then four months later, my mom passed. Like, I feel like for about a four to five year stretch, it was hard. It was really hard. And I still, I powered through, like my faith is absolutely what I had to lean on because I had to tell myself that everyone has their cross to bear. This is mine. I also told myself that God sent his only son to die for our sin, who am I to not lose a child? I'm no greater than God, for sure. And I like, so those were things I had to tell myself to comfort myself. Now, I struggled with depression. I I had to go see someone. I took medicine. I tried self-medicating with wine. And then luckily, I got pregnant with uh, the clown baby number four, because that probably kept me from having to also go to AA. (laughs) So, Anyhow, it was crazy, but I am not joking when I say I couldn't have done it without my faith in my rodeo family and my family. My family also was wonderful, but our rodeo family supported us. Like we had people come from Tennessee, Iowa. My cousin flew in from uh, Ireland and not just right then, but also in the months and the years to follow our family and our rodeo family was there for us. And each of those things that I just went through, my father passing 
there was, I had gone to a cowboy preacher in Guyman, Oklahoma. And I usually, we usually leave on Sundays. I don't always get to go to cowboy church, but I went. And that cowboy preacher had talked about how much God loved you. Well, then that was May and November. I lost, or my dad was in his accident. I lost him in that December. I heard that testimony and that testimony got me through losing my father because I kept thinking, I love my dad, but God loves him more. And so I leaned on my faith for that moment. Um, through everything with our daughter, with my mom, I leaned on my faith like crazy each yeah. time, like crazy. And I still do. I'm not a, a perfect Christian. I don't know anyone that is, but I'm going to get up every day and try harder. John and I, it, it, we're a normal married couple. It hasn't always been sunshine and roses, but we get up every day and we try harder. We're trying now to start every morning with a devotional, just he and I. We go to bed and we pray before we go to sleep. And that's just recently. We haven't always been great people. We haven't always spoke to each other in the best ways, but we're learning and we're growing. And so, yeah, my faith is really important to me. And if it, it I believe it's supposed to go, God, your spouse, your family, and then yeah. everyone else. And Everyone's giving John a hard time because a few years ago he got off Facebook and now recently he got off Snapchat and was like, oh, what'd you do? What'd you do? And he's like, no, I just did a check-in. And it was like, God, my wife and my family. He said, Snapchat didn't make top 40. <laughs> like, and so anyhow, and even the kids were giving him a hard time for him being on it too much. We're just trying better every day. But absolutely, my faith is important to me. And if anyone's hurt in the arena, I... I jump right up and I put my hand out and I pray for him. And it, it does it because I do believe in the power of prayer. I believe our almighty healer. And I know that I've seen, I keep a little book of uh, miracles by my bed. Like I write in like yeah. little things that I've seen God do. So it just, anytime I'm doubting myself or I'm lacking a little faith, I can go there. Hearing you talk about what you went through, my heart is just, has fallen out of my chest thinking about not just one of those things that a person experiences can be enough to just break you. Those are the types of things that just cut right to the core of you. And I think that going through not just one, but three of those things consecutively, I would think could really lead somebody to question their faith. And hearing you talk about how you continued to see the good in it the little, like you were, you were saying, you, you saw the angels and how God was using these things and working in your life and that you used these moments as a way to renew your faith and become stronger in it and lean closer to God instead of just getting caught up in anger or bitterness or sadness or all of these emotions that I can only imagine you were feeling in such an extreme way is such an incredible testimony to you and your character, but also to the goodness of God. And I think that we have a tendency to really praise him in high moments. And it's easy to question him or question our faith in dark times. And when I'm hearing you talk about these things, all I can think about is how one of the things that I've told myself in, in times of struggle is how God is faithful all of the time. And so it's not just when things are great and we want to be grateful for our blessings and, and things he's given us, but that he is still faithful even when we're struggling and sometimes even more so then. You have to, yes. Yeah, and you have to remind yourself of it in order to see it and because it is easy to get caught up in all the dark and the nasty and the gross and the 
why me's or whatever. What are your options? Like you, you can either sit in that spot or you could get up and put one foot in front of the other and try again tomorrow. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And I pray that anyone that is struggling with depression or anyone that is struggling with anxiety or any kind of emotional turmoil to either reach for the Bible or reach out to someone that can just hold their hand through that moment. And if you have to go see a therapist or if you have to have a, because I felt bad about taking medicine for it, but there should be no shame in anyone's game for anything. We're all just in this life and life is messy and life is yucky, but we're just all trying to get through it together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what makes us human. And that's one of the things that I've loved the most about this podcast and getting to hear people's stories is how I think when we're in those dark spots or dealing with those emotional things like you just mentioned, we tend to feel really alone or like Mm -hmm. we're the only one or we shouldn't be feeling this way because somebody's got it worse. And so when you hear people, especially for me, someone like you who I look up to, that they say, listen, I've been there too. I've struggled with it and I've come out the other side. It just makes you feel so much less alone and then a little bit more capable of getting through it. Yes. And once you do get through it, it's like anything. Like once you do it, then you can look back and I can do it. I can't. I'm capable not just of doing this, but doing this the next time or taking the next step or doing that. So yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to pack or unpack and have around. And yeah, life was a lot. It certainly sounds like it. I admire your strength and your outlook so much. Thank you. I I come from a family that we deal with everything with humor. And once I was able to get out of the darkness, um, I was always looking forward to the next time I could smile or the next laugh. And so it, it was, that's always great. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy that my people that surround me were there to be there for to help me laugh, to help me smile again and to get there. Hearing those words you just said where I was looking forward to the next laugh, I love that so much. I think that we don't, and this was a resolution I had last year, is just to laugh more, to smile more, to find more joy in little moments. Because like you were saying, life is messy. And sometimes you just get as a mom when you're in the thick of it and it's like the to-do lists and the running kids places and things just become stressful and you get weighed down. It's, I forgot to laugh today. Yes. And this thing was cute or this thing was funny. And so I just started embracing that more. There's always time for laughter. There's always time for a smile. And I felt when I did that more, then those other things, they just didn't weigh as much. I could carry them a little bit easier. Absolutely. And I find myself doing that too. And like, Carla, why are you taking life so seriously? Like, who cares? So I had a flying dumpster hit the truck and I have a dent I had to tell John about, like, whatever. And so rodeo life does help with laughter because, oh my gosh, there are some things that can go wrong. Sometimes it's kind of one of those things where like, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was in Colorado one time taking the kids and the horses from um, from Cody, Wyoming to Gunnison, Colorado, which is, you know, a 14 hour little trek. No John was in Alaska. And <laughs> of course I had, he was. Yeah. <laughs> for a rodeo. But I had asked him, please replace the bearings. Or please, let's get a new trailer. He's like, babe, I have the bearings repacked. I do every year. We're fine. We'll be fine. I said, well, I don't want to be on the side of the road. He said, just please don't buy a trailer, Carla. He's let's just get one we want after the summer. We'll be fine. There I was in Cray, Colorado on the side of the road with an axle on fire 
three kids, three horses. And at the time we towed a car behind our trailer. So the only way to get the horses off that back load was either jackknife the car or unhook the car and then back the horses off. Well, you don't have time for that when you're on the side of the road. It's on fire. There's my that axle, part too. My axle is on fire. Not like, a great big fire, but a fire enough that it could become a great big fire. And I had just watched my tire go down a ravine. And so anyway, <laughs> so that happened. And yeah, so I had to put the fire out with, luckily I had enough bottles of water in the living quarter. And I was like, yeah, it was a hot mess. And you don't turn a 40 foot trailer with a car behind it just around on a dime. So the cops had to come and shut down the road. So I get it turned around. And, and then I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can handle it. I could do anything. And then that night, John's sending me Snapchats of icebergs. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're living two different lives right now. I broke down on the side of the road. I had to dump the black tank by myself. And, and I love this. And this is, I think, relatable to any rodeo wife is that you just said we're living two different lives. And that is absolutely true. So just to recap, John's like off looking at icebergs and wildlife, like having yes. a great time in Alaska. Mm-hmm. It's a little mini vacation. You've got three kids, horses, a truck, trailer, car you're pulling, which I have to assume is like 87 feet in total that you're towing behind you. We're definitely over 75 and Officer Hernandez had let us know that. <laughs> you're putting out fires literally <laughs> with a water bottle yeah. and you're like, it's going to be Yes. Like at no point were you considering divorce. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Again, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> so tap out and divorce this our option. You have any other tips? <laughs> you're through the worst of it now. You guys are stuck together. So yeah, we're just in it. And then we got up the next day because I couldn't get my axle replaced. There's nowhere. And we got up the next day. I got up at like four in the morning because I didn't want the axles to get hot, which is summer heat. Sure. And, and my daughter, I had her ride co-pilot with me and I went to a little area that had a grass fire and I was like paranoid that my other axle fire because now I'm down to one and three tires. Anyhow, it was so stressful. But by the time John landed in the lower 48, I had a new trailer picked out. Picked out, purchased. And then you and the kids should have been like at a spa retreat or something. <laughs> right? That's where you'd have found me. There'd have just been like a note on the truck door that was like, here's the address where we are. So my best story of exactly what you're saying, where we're living two different lives, or the one that sticks out the most to me, is that Luke and I had been married about a year. And he was off rodeoing. I was at home. And I got home from work. It was it was winter, so it was dark early. By the time I got home, it was completely dark in the house. And we had this little space heater that I would use to keep warm. And so I plugged in the space heater, and I think I like accidentally turned on the TV at the same time or something. Well, when I did that, the, the breaker blew. And we've moved into this new house because we're newly married. I'm like 21, and I'm like, okay, wait a second. I know the breaker has blown, but I don't know where the breaker box even is in our new house. It's completely dark. I don't think I have a flashlight. I'm 1,500 <laughs> miles away from home and my family. And I'm like, okay, well, I know if I can find the breaker box. So I start calling Luke just to ask him where it is. I called him probably 719 times. And <laughs> he, just, he doesn't answer one time. So I'm like, okay. I'm freezing. I can't make myself dinner. It's dark. I'm lonely. Like the whole thing. I set my phone down because I'm like, I think there's a flashlight out in the garage. I set my phone down for a minute. I go out and look. I can't find it. I come back in and pick my phone up. In the 30 seconds I've been away from my phone, he's called me back. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So he leaves me a voicemail and I go to listen to it. 
when he leaves me this voicemail, he must have been standing in the noisiest bar you can imagine. So he leaves me this voicemail and he just sounds happy as can be. And he's like, hey, I saw that I missed your call. I'm sorry. There's so much rowdiness in the background. He's like, I I just I'm down on South Padre Island. We're with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And I'm going to talk. Yeah, of course he's with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I'm 21. He's 25 or something. I can't get a hold of him. I don't have power. He's hanging out with the entire Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I already want to cry. And he's like, I'll just call you tomorrow. Literally did not get a hold of him. I didn't talk to him till the next day. I had my bags packed. I'm like ready to call my dad. Like, you need to come and pick me up. It turns out marriage is not for me. Luckily, we made it through that little rough patch. But I do like to remind him of it. Quite frequently. Remember yeah. that time I had no power and no heat and you were with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders? He's like, oh, yeah. how could I forget? And he somehow still looks back on that time fondly. Yes, John too. And that's, I mean, just this year when I came home, like my, we have, our house is five years old. It's relatively new. My septic had completely backed up and it's already been cleaned out. And I am literally just walking in it and I'm doing everything I know to do. And I'm trying to call John. John is on a golf course in Idaho and John is living his best life. At the same time, I've got like rent houses having a small electrical problem. I've got, I don't know, probably our liquor store manager is not showing up for work. <laughs> stuff's going on. And right. he's, oh, Nate and I have this great bet, Carla. We're going to get a tattoo. I'm like, that's great. And he's like trying to get my opinion on what the tattoo should be. What and the- I'm like, mm, wrong. Call someone else. <laughs> uh, it's it it literally never fails. I like to call it Murphy's Law Rodeo yeah. Wives Edition because it never fails that when oh. you are really going through it, they're just having the best day. John gave me so many Snapchats from Florida when you're with shirtless outside the trailer when it's Jan- uh, January and February here and we're calving. I've got two calves in my laundry room. My truck's transmission went out. I had to go open the liquor store. I was driving 45 miles an hour. But before that, I had to go pick up my father-in-law so I could get his truck, take him to the feed truck. The feed truck wouldn't start. And my husband calls and was like, it's like, we're at the liquor store. I just didn't talk to him for two days and then kept sending him that little middle finger emoji. (laughs) That was only means of communication for me for a while. And it Uh, made me feel better. I wish that this never had to end. I have to say that. But towards the end of every episode, there are two things that I usually like to do with the guest. Okay. So the first one is that a previous guest has left me a question to ask to a future guest just anonymously. So here's yours. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Yes, I'm ready. What do you think your best personality trait is? My best personality trait? Can we ask someone else? I don't know that I... <laughs> we could but... ask me because I could make a list of my favorite personality traits of yours already. I'm a dork and I own it. Maybe that's it. I know I'm a dork. I don't even try to hide it. <laughs> I don't know. I actually love that answer. I think it goes back to what we were saying is that you don't take too, life too serious. No. You just And it seems like you approach things, even hard things, with a lot of joy. And that is a great personality trait. So we'll go with that one. Awesome. And the, the last one is, do you have a favorite rodeo moment or memory that you can share with us? So this one you alluded to, and I've heard you ask everyone this, and I cannot get off the fact that my favorite rodeo memory was COVID in general. So COVID happened and every rodeo shut down. Well, we are century located. And so we had um, the Justices, the Rumfords, the Harps, Cody Sosby, Dusty Tuckness, Garrett Yurigan. We had so many people converge upon our house just as we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if rodeo would start up in two days. We just didn't know. 
So we decided that we would shelter in place together or hang out together. And anyhow, we quarantined together, I guess that's what it's called. We did. And we hung out for a few days, had a great time. We all cooked care. We just became such tight friends that we also now, and the beards were here. I, I don't think I mentioned them. Anyhow, we have become such good friends. We now do business together. We do life together. During COVID, the Rumfords did not get to have kindergarten graduation. And Nate Justice and Dusty Tuckness decided that's not right. They need to have kindergarten graduation. So they decided to throw them kindergarten graduation. Ashley said, hey, Carly, can we have it at your house? Because there's room for everyone. I said, absolutely. So everyone got together again for kindergarten graduation. And Nate Justice and Bridget, his wife, rapped a Will Smith-esque uh, song for the opening. Cody Sosby was the master of ceremonies. Dusty Tuckness ordered them caps and gowns. Bridget brought little diplomas. My daughter did like the backdrop and made him a cake. Like it was, I don't know if the triplets even cared if they had kindergarten, but it was awesome. It was so much fun. And we, it was probably a three-day kindergarten graduation with a little bit of a rager at the side. Like it was just so much fun. It was great. And uh, yeah, and it has just, COVID was a good, it was financially not a great year. It, it was for our liquor store, but it was not for, yeah. It was not for everything else. So my favorite memory is COVID because we got together as rodeo family and we leaned on each other in times where we're scared of what's going on. But we also had fun together, a lot of fun. We became really good friends during that time. What I love the most about your favorite memory is that I think it reiterates everything that we've talked about in this episode in that you constantly find the silver lining the little bit of good through the hard stuff, which and nobody's we're like, what's your favorite thing that's happened to you? And they're like, COVID. Like, that's everybody's, oh, what a year. We still haven't recovered. And you're like, the best thing that came out of it. And I love that about you. I think it just speaks to who you are. What a perfect memory for you to have picked. Thank you. It was fun because we got together a lot. And now with rodeo schedules, you don't get to get together because everyone's going in a different direction. Everyone's got the rodeos every weekend, whatever. I'm a huge dork, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having a huge dork on your podcast. <laughs> I feel honored to have had a huge dork on my podcast. <laughs> well, that was fun. Now, if you're anything like me and just can't get enough of these behind the scenes stories from our inspiring guests, then my website is the perfect place to dig even deeper into the world of rodeo. Visit the link in the show notes for even more companion pass content. <laughs>